0: Traveler to Low Tales, Episode 6, The Storyteller's Spear. These episodes are short horror stories set in the world of Halotide. Content may not be appropriate for all audiences, and listener discretion is advised. The Continent of Corfast. The castaways constantly drift from one location to another, driven by an invisible pull that draws them together, even as it keeps them from ever settling for long. The only community the castaways know are their caravans, the chosen families who grant each other companionship and some manner of safety on the often dangerous roads they are compelled to travel. Among these many convoys, there is one group that must travel their path alone, the mysterious and misunderstood black caravan, tasked with mass graves, crypts, and mausoleums, and crewed by those not long for this world. Tonight we peel back the layer of this mystique to reveal the origin of the unbinding spear. The Storyteller's Spear was written by Christopher Bungie and performed by Ben Turley.
1: The Storyteller's Spear We would like to hear the story, Turnwith chirped in a songbird voice. Which one is that? Omendal feigned ignorance as they double-checked the stores. I know many, many stories. You don't get to be my age without collecting something and learning to truly enjoy the sound of your own voice. The old castaway shot the younger man a crooked grin as their fingers found the old book they had found in the burnt-out library. Castaways did not believe in writing down their own stories, for they create an ending where there was a pause. No story is truly over while the twin moons continue to dance in the sky. What about the otter and the trap? Turnway shook his head and Merry Day followed suit, her braids jingling with the many glittering treasures stored there. We are too old for those kind of stories. We are going into the ossuary tomorrow, after all. Going to be digging around in bones. Clearly you miss the point of a story, then. You see, a good story. It's like an onion. As you grow older and hear the story over and over again, you get to peel off layer after layer to see what lies beneath. When you are young, Otter is a smart trickster who outwits his silly clams until he can eat his fill. Otter is a thief and a murderer who calms a bunch of gullible shellfish until he can eat their insides, Merry interrupted. Even as a child, I never rooted for Otter. I would wake up from nightmares about laying peacefully under the water with my family until the great-furred beast shows up. That is the second layer, and you seem to have arrived at it earlier than most. Otter is the villain who will say whatever it takes to fill his belly. Omendal ran their hands over the small pouch they had carefully built up after years of lean living and bulged out their cheeks a bit. However, there are still layers to find beneath that. Otter is an otter, after all. What would you expect him to eat? And it's clear in the story there is far too much for only otter. He takes the rest to his family who have been unable to follow him into the depths. This makes Otter the brave adventurer, willing to risk everything to feed his people. Could he have taken up farming? Turnwaith chimed in. Could he now? Otter, the lovable rogue with his silver teeth, just take up farming. You're saying it's in his nature to cheat, steal, and kill, and we must respect the nature of things without expecting them to change, Maryday spoke carefully, trying to anticipate the logical turns of the old storyteller. Omendal smiled down at both of them before wagging their finger. No. Both of you are equally wrong. Otter might have been able to farm. All things changed their nature in time, but it would take far longer than his family had and used new skills that he would have to learn. Both of you have spent months now preparing for tomorrow, and we still built on what was already there. Otter used what he had and did what he needed to do because it needed to be done. It is true that a rabbit sees the burrow and the wolf sees the chase, but Otter would have never gone so deep if it were not necessary. The two younger castaways took a moment to let this process before Turnwaith let his impatience get to the better of him. "'We want to know the story of what you've been carving. "'We want to know why you aren't joining us tomorrow.' The smile withdrew from Omendal's face and they sighed heavily. Their hands shook as they retrieved the wrapped spear from its hiding place behind the dried herbs. It took a moment to find it. It was said that Vision would be the first to go after all, and they had done most of their last work by feeling more than sight.' Sigils that they had kept carefully locked away within them this entire time, finally finding their place, as all things must. The storyteller sat down slowly on the edge of the wagon and placed the spear in their lap. They looked at each member of their audience in turn. Turnwaith, whose liver would fail him in the next couple of seasons. And Merry Day, who could grab fitful dreams between coughs that had turned bloody some time ago, and begun to undo the bindings. Tell me what you see. A weapon! Turnway sat up straight as he eyed its cruel edge. A tool, Maryday said as her eyes traced down the many sigils that ran the length of the polished dark wood. Omendal nodded three times at both of them. Well answered. But once again, both of you are equally wrong. This is not a weapon, nor is it a tool. It is history and a promise. When people see us, they think that we are drifters without purpose. They think we wander as a way to avoid responsibility. Instead, we who are called have the greatest responsibility of all. Castaways in general, or those of us in the black caravan. Mary Day cocked her head to the one side, and lost a side of her face to a cascade of dark hair. I'm getting to that. Just sit back and let the story play out as it must. I know that you think it's the nature of all elders to ramble, but there is a way these things must be done. During the time of the first calling, before the shadow signs and the paths we know now, our ancestors were as helpless as newborn pups. They could feel their purpose, feel it tugging them towards the horizon, pulling them off the safe road and into the thicket, but most just kept wandering. If they were lucky, they found other drifters and they wandered together. Not a family yet. Not a people. Just souls happening to share the same road for a while. It was Lost Lavardi that changed that. The city was just ruins even then, with glimpses of something greater beyond the rubble, but it pulled stronger than any other forgotten place. It brought together the wanderers in great numbers, and it stilled their steps long enough for them to find each other. The first families were made in Los Lavardi. Families, as we castaways understand them, kin of spirit, not blood. But Lavardi was just as broken as anywhere else we call to. The poisoning started slowly. A sickness of the mind that began to turn one's newfound family against each other. It was little things at first. Restlessness. Arguments. Adults behaving as children and children losing all touch in the world around them. Many thought this was proof that the call was a curse. That we had been lured out from the safety of old people to die amidst the rubble. The name of the first murderer among our kind has been lost on purpose. We do not glorify those who have taken life, but their crime will live forever. Sullivan, father of many, skull crushed in the heat of an argument with a cooking pot. The murderer was terrified of what they had done and fled into the darkest place they could find, deep beneath Lost Lavadi. We, as people, love the sun and the open sky. It's just one of the many reasons that we keep moving. Our ancestors were the same, and they left the depths of Lavadi to the shadows and its memories. The murderer, desperate to hide from the guilt broken into a tomb that had been sealed for centuries before. The souls that lay there, whose dreaming whispers had been slowly poisoning us, awoke all at once. And they began to scream. Where once there had been restlessness, there were now disappearances. Where once there were arguments, there was barbarism. Newfound families torn apart as the spirits found their voices in our pain. It was the strongest among us that were affected the worst. The warriors who had stepped up to guard the caravans became the ideal vessels for Bloody Shades. It could have all been over just like that. A people scattering into the wind, hunted by our own guardians. Were it not for the weakest of all. In Settle, the Mouse Speaker. Old and blind, they escaped the notice of the ghosts. But they were close enough to death to be able to follow the sound of their voice. They did not have a weapon save for their walking stick, but they spent days carving its end into a point, praying for strength beyond themselves to guide their hands. But we were new people, and we had no gods to call our own, and Insettle was too blind to search for a saint in the light. Instead, it was the shadows that answered, pouring into their fingers when they found their strengths failing them. These shadows, in turn, were folded into the wood, taking a tool and a weapon and making it something far more. So, while brother turned against brother and mother against child, the mouth speaker followed the whispers and snuck into the old tomb. It was dark in that ancient place. No sight or torch could ever penetrate the blackness, but Insettle could hear the anger and pain so plainly that as long as they placed one foot in front of the other, they would not falter. They passed the broken door and stepped into a world not meant for living things. Now the spirits did not see Insettle and they rushed as one to stop them. They wailed and they tore, and they sent fears of every description into the mind. But the old castaway held the spear before them, and continued to place one foot in front of the other, step by slow step. The mouse speaker walked, and the murderer waited for them. For the killer's body had become a door for those hateful things from beyond the meanders, and while the murderer's body had starved and withered, the spirits would not let them die. Instead, they waited begging with wordless lips for the fate of Sullivan. It is said that after all the wandering in the dark, when Ensettles finally found the murderer, the spear missed its mark, and only the clutching fingers of the killer kept it from becoming lost to the shades. But the murderer, blind as eyes in tail in the darkness, could still see the shadow the mouse speaker had woven into the spear and grabbed hold to plunge the tip into his own heart. With the death of their tether, the ancient ghosts lost their power and retreated back into their tombs. tell their mission fulfilled and their strength having left them, wanted to lay down to die besides the murderer. But the spear became a walking stick again, and it carried them, step by slow step, back into the world of the warm sun and open sky. The mouse speaker expected to see the same ruin they had left, a people torn apart and scattered into the wind. But the families had returned, and begun to pick up the pieces they had left behind. The elder shook his hands at those gathered, telling them to return to their wagons and leave this place together. The stones had served their purpose and brought them together, but now it held only pain. Arzentel wrote the first shadow signs around Lavardi, marking the danger within, and taught the art to every caravan so they might mark their way for their fellows, but they kept the spear for themselves. While each in turn asked them to join their wagon and travel, they turned each away. They picked their own family, those who could already feel death about them, and took only a single black wagon to follow the whisper road that others dare not travel. After the storyteller finished, Turnwaith only waited a span of breath before chiming in. But what of their spear? You have had to spend months carving this one. Why do they not pass the old one down like everything else? Omendal chuckled and made a twisting motion in the air with their hands broken and laid to rest with the mouse speaker, as it should be. Each spear is made with a purpose, and broken when its purpose is fulfilled. You leave a weapon lay after its purpose has been completed? It will start thinking up new uses for its edge. What is the purpose of this spear, then? Meriday eyed him carefully, trying to pry the answer from their cryptic wrinkles. There are other whispers now. Omendal cocked their head to the side and closed their eyes. Whispers that led many astray and turn families against each other again. The time for the spear has come. Will you wield it? waith tried, but failed to keep the doubt from his voice. No, child, I make the spear for another. I don't know who it is yet, but when they need it, they will find it waiting for them.
0: We hope you enjoyed tonight's episode of Lowfire fire Tales. If you want to stay up to date on our activities, please follow us on social media. And if you'd like to help us produce more content such as this, as well as score some bonus rewards and resources for your own RPG games, consider supporting us at patreon.com thedarkmeanders. As always, I have been your host, Christopher Bungie. Until next we meet, keep your eyes on the shadows and your powder dry.